Hello and welcome to SAE Tomorrow Today. I'm your host, Grayson Brolty. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to have Jim Saber, President and CEO, Next Energy, Brian Burkhardt, VP, Global Technology Leader for Advanced Mobility Systems, Jacobs, and Stefan Tunger, Vice President, Business Development, Electrion. On today's episode, we discuss the importance of on-road wireless charging and how all three partners have come together to roll this technology in Detroit, Michigan. We hope you enjoy this episode. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Together, your three companies have come together and you're working on a very important project, wireless electric vehicle charging. I feel that it's the future. And Jim, to kick things off, sir, why is a public wireless EV charging road system needed? You know, where we're at right now in our journey to, you know, zero emissions mobility and transportation is, uh, you know, we're just at the starting point. And when we think of how we're going to get there, we will need a number of systems and technologies that will help us optimize mobility and achieve that pathway to zero emissions, both from the public sector and from the private sector. And we think that wireless charging, both in a static and dynamic mode, and we'll get into what's the difference between static and dynamic charging later, um, are really going to be needed to be piloted, tested um, in Michigan, piloted and tested in a four seasons environment where we have rain, sleet, snow, and ice, um, and also 90 degree uh, days. And so understanding how a technology like this adds value and how both the public and private sector leverage this for public and private transportation. Stefan, from a technical standpoint, how will this work? Will consumers have to put adapters on the vehicles? Will, will fleets, how will it work from a technical perspective? Absolutely. So we're focusing on making technology that is user-friendly, that is friendly for road owners, that's friendly for the grid, by mainly putting coils that are embedded under the road, right? And then you have a secondary coil embedded under the vehicle, and the coils are then connected to the grid. So when you come with your vehicle, the infrastructure is very smart, knows who you are, allows you to get the charge uh, by driving just over the coils that are in the, underneath the uh, ground. And in that manner, you can both charge vehicles while standing still or while driving without having to plug it in, uh, without having any interference, mechanical connections uh, underground. So by doing that, we're also helping the grid uh, spraying out energy over time and space and making it a very, let's say, friendly and user-friendly, uh, adaptable technology. The good news is if you're stuck in traffic, it's going to charge. Is, is that what I heard there? Absolutely. So if you're stuck in traffic or while driving, we'll definitely make sure to optimize the route, focusing on the, uh, let's say, commercial fleets uh, initially, and not those occasions where you happen to be in, stuck in the traffic. Make sure that it is a reliable system in the end uh, of the day. Brian, from a technical engineering perspective, are the roads asphalt? Are they concrete? Do you have to do anything special from an engineering perspective to make Stefan's system work the best way possible? Well, actually, it's it's a very simple uh, method, and uh, you know, being able to we call it scratch and patch, and that's taking the top layer of asphalt out. Um, the systems now are able to reuse that material again and uh, reheat that up and lay that out. So it's a fairly common maintenance uh, effort, and so uh, it be it can be done overnight uh, on, a, on a segment of roadway. So we thought that was a very compelling case to to implement. 
done overnight. We've all been stuck in those traffic where the, the state DOTs are out there working on a road. During that time, the electron system could be put in there and then the next morning up and running. There's nothing else that you have to do. Well, yeah, there's there's connectivities you have to make to the to the, the system on the, uh, the electric side. But, you know, all of that is off the road. And so you can make all these connections and then the coils are the only disruptive event when, when that goes into the road. And we've seen some some videos of that installation that uh, Electrion has has done in, in elsewhere in the world. So that uh, was a compelling case. Jim, from a energy grid perspective in your background, as the road expands one mile, two mile, eventually 100 miles and a couple hundred miles, will there be an impact on the grid like we're seeing in California now with the text messages going out just because of the overwhelming demand for energy? Or will this actually help the energy grid? Well, I think it actually it'll actually help the energy grid. You know, Stefan talked about how you can optimize the system. You know, we think of charging a battery, whether it's a a, a vehicle or your cell phone or computer, et cetera. It, you know, charging is a function of energy and time. So the the more time I have to put in the energy, the the lower the rate that I can that that one could charge the vehicle. So now you can spread out infrastructure over. Um, in these connections over miles versus single points and you know in, in at a location where you have to upgrade the grid to have a massive amount of energy to go in to charge that battery. And so um, if planned properly, um, it will have a significant benefit to the grid. And, and we're not talking about every single mile of roadway in the United States needs to be electrified. Um, it's uh, in some of the modeling and Stefan can go in deeper in this. You actually get a net gain of as you drive the vehicle over the roadway, um, you get a gain in energy or a gain in range. And so it's coming up with that right mix of how many miles of roadway would we need to have um, based on application to support this. Stefan, could you talk about that modeling, please? Absolutely. So looking at initially commercial fleets, understanding where they operate. All right. They operate. I think the difference is when we analyze fleet electrification with common technology, we often kind of optimize the battery to complete the whole day or we stop the vehicles because they need to charge. Right. So you get that window operations and that sometimes leads to, you know, need additional vehicles if it's buses or other vehicles, taxis or you need huge batteries. And I think the opposite way of seeing is, you know, where do we have idle time? And, and, you know, charge the vehicle when it actually needs. So if it need, if it's standing still at the depot, you know, let's charge it there. If it's standing still at the taxi queue, you know, let's, let's u- utilize that idle time to charge in there. If it's driving back and forth on the road and to do a lot of, you know, transportation need, let's charge it while it drives. And that really can allow us to optimize the benefit of the infrastructure investment and the cost benefit also on the fleet side, because suddenly you can reduce battery sizes, you can increase, you know, vehicle uptime, you can don't need to buy more vehicles. So ultimately, it comes this modeling comes down to the cost benefit analysis of um, of the use cases you deploy. And in the last point is once you deployed it, and that's the beauty of, of the system it can be functional for any type of vehicle. So it's not only limited to, uh, you know, you've deployed the charger for a bus and then it's not. So once you have the electric road, it's actually charging platform for any type of vehicle. And that's a huge, I would say, uh, advantage as we are ramping up EV adoption. That's a very big advantage. Brian, 
for the the MDOT, which for our listeners stands for for Michigan Department of Transportation, they operate large fleets. There's uh, transit buses, perhaps there's electric school buses. We're starting to see that trend come around. Will the pilot should be focused on on fleet vehicles when did you start to roll this out, or who will be that initial core customer that will get to experience technology as part of the pilot? Well, we we see the biggest, and this is where Electrion agrees with us. We see the 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 biggest bang for the buck on in, on transit and public fleet vehicles. And so, by way of example, uh, and Stefan mentioned some of this uh, in San Francisco. We worked on a project. We were looking at you know, San, uh, California has one of the most aggressive. Uh, zero emissions uh, objectives uh, in the country. So in order to do that, many of the agencies are evaluating what does it take to, to move these vehicles over to electric and battery electric is, is, is one of the areas. Batteries are inherently heavy. And if you think about San Francisco, you not only do you have climate challenges, but you have elevation challenges. And so we, when we did our analyses uh, uh, working on some projects out here, a charge from a from a vehicle in it standing overnight in a yard wasn't enough to sustain a full route of that vehicle to go over the day. So we have to look at different alternatives. We have to look at a lighter battery. We have to be able to look at getting midday charging. And we see this inductive charging as being a, a, a great opportunity to do that. I think also if we look at investment in, you know, organizations like the United States Postal Service, you know, massive effort and investment going into conversion of these vehicles to electric and what a tremendous amount of savings that would be if they were electric. And if we think about those type of vehicles as being part of a shared infrastructure, so it's not just municipalities, it's it's state, it's federal to start off with. That's that we see that as a as a really big initial step in investment that will have great returns. Devin, I want to go back to you on this from the business model perspective and, and ask you an example. So for um, Brian mentioned California and the, the Los Angeles region, you have a service called the Flyway Bus, which operates from Van Nuys from downtown LA to bring individuals to and from LAX airport to help reduce congestion that operates on a fixed route. Mail operates on a fixed route. The mailman that's in your neighborhood or in your community operates on a fixed route consistently the same route six days a week. Are, are fixed routes in the modeling, is that really the first way to go where that you have that consistency that you know how the vehicles are going to operate? I think it's both, to be honest. I think it can be fixed routes, which are for those types of vehicles you mentioned. It can also be like if you're in LA, you know, the port of LA and Long Beach and you have the inland port in, in Ichino and you have dedicated routes. We know where they go and that route where they need the high amount of uptime is perfect to electrify dynamic. But I also think that you have places like the postal office or last mile delivery, other type of last mile delivery facilities or bus facilities where they come and sleep. So they go around, maybe they do different routes, but they come back and sleep uh, or they come back in many cases and reload. So they go to the loading dock and reload the vehicle. And those places are also very uh, advantageous for wireless charging because we can increase utility because it cannot doesn't only serve one vehicle, during the night, you can sell different vehicles at the loading dock, and at the you know, at these last mile facility or the facilities, what we can do is also save a lot of real estate because suddenly the 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 charges are you know buried under the ground. So, I want to see it as this interconnected, uh, complementary uh, charging platform between the static between the dynamic and the, uh, the semi-dynamic, which you have uh, at the queue lines. 
you know, and then depending on the use case or how many buses you have, how do you start off, we'll make the best cost-effective uh, choice together with, with Jacobs that we analyze and make sure that we have a good, you know, a phased project, a phased approach, limit risk, uh, increase benefit, and then uh, scale rapidly because that's what we need to reach to zero emission um, transportation. The saving real estate's a great point. We'll get that into a minute. But if you look at, Jim, all these vehicles coming on the road, and I'm just going to use large numbers. Let's say day one, there's 1,000. Day two, there's 10,000. And then you eventually do 100,000 zero emission vehicles. And there's a large trend with a lot of the, the global OEMs of, of vehicle to the grid. And we're seeing some, of it, perhaps if you're in a storm uh, area, the, the car could be used to turn on your coffee machine or turn on your, your washer or dryer. Will we see vehicle-to-grid technology integrate into this? If we're we're in California in this conversation right now, perhaps they're facing facing the energy crisis, the vehicle give energy back to the grid to help sustain and avoid rolling blackout. Is that a possibility with this system? Yes. I mean, it's it's not commercialized today um, as far as like, you know, wireless, bi-directional wireless power transfer, but it's possible. We've seen it demonstrated at national labs in other applications. So it's... It will be part of the system as it moves forward, but there's, you know, I kind of mentioned before, there's a number of different applications that will, uh, and technologies that will be used to, you know, to take us down to a zero emissions pathway. Wireless charging, bi-directional wireless charging, vehicle to grid, uh, hydrogen fuel cells, there's a number of different solutions. This is just a very important, you know, mix and, and a very important solution in that in that journey. Brian, as a technology is upgraded, today if you upgrade your MacBook or your iPhone, you push a software update. If you're going to upgrade the charging infrastructure of the road, will you have to do one of the closures at night, put in new infrastructure, or will you be able to push as simple as an iPhone update, a software update to that road? Well, one of the things that that is important to understand is that... um, Electrion is developing uh, something uh, that other folks are developing too. So there's shared standards, and that's that's part of what you know we hope to be involved with with SAE as we continue to work on on our our, our work here. It needs to be something that is that is not proprietary, and to the extent that there the the the, the management system helps control that. There's also whatever is controlling the back office, as we would call it, you know, how people are going to receive invoices for for their charges and stuff. There's a lot of systems coordination that's yet to be done. And in as much as possible, this needs to be done through open standards. I'll say this very bluntly and and very proudly. Standard scale. Your seatbelt is a standard. Putting gasoline in your vehicle is a standard. Standard scale. Stefan, we, we, we obviously know standard scale. We can we can look throughout history to see many standards that play a large role, not just in, in automobile, but also in aerospace. Brian brings up the billing. Is this going to operate as a as a toll road? Will it operate as a, a pay per mile? How What would the economics look like when the system is eventually rolled out and scaled? I think that's the most exciting thing with this technology. It's not the technology, you asked me about the technology, but what I think is the the most exciting thing is the fact that you have a road, which today is an expense in many cases for municipalities, state DOTs, et cetera. And now suddenly you can transform that into revenue source. And I mean, that's just mind blowing because we, the road can create value uh, to fund 
the charging infrastructure to fund the adoption of these EVs because they become cheaper. And the enabler here is technology that with smart technology like electrons and 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 the standards that we're influencing together also with other with the industry consortium as and Brian made a good good point there we're you know proud members of the SE committee and and influencing this technology on wireless to be interoperability between different vehicles between static and dynamic but doing that having that metering and billing capabilities we can integrate then with a road with a toll road or road owner that want you know to have different business model but it's because it's also a regulatory issue like me and Brian has, have talked about but the functionality and i mean the the essence of seeing you know driving time is value it's it's charging time and and seeing that that can create a bit of revenue i think will be diff, totally different than the way we've fueled our cars the past century where we just need to stand still and have a lot of land to charge these, uh, to, to fill, fuel or charge these vehicles. So suddenly that make the roads will make a lot of more sense, I think, because of the business model. Jim, I was in and I ordered an Uber Green last week and the gentleman picked me up in, in, in the new mach and he was so proud. He said, look, I have five different charging apps depending on where I am and I have this app called Pl- Plugshare to find out where I am. And the gentleman was so proud that he could find anywhere he could go to charge do you envision this with the system that Electrion's building that perhaps it's integrated into the, into the vehicle? So the billing, you already have a credit card on file. The vehicle becomes a seamless thing. You just say, yes, vehicle, I would like to pay X amount of dollars to, to drive on this road. Does it become a simple integration like that? It actually, it can be. I mean, it's, it's kind of charging as a service and transportation as a service, but it, it can be as seamless as you register your vehicle, which are are part of SAE and ISO communication standards, and you can pay per mile. And and it's a a back office that could be run through an Electrion or any service provider. You know, right now we have, you know, those four or five apps because there's four or five different networks. At some point as we scale um, and as there's, you know, more standards or a, a more standard way of doing it, it'll be as simple, it'll be seamless. And it's actually called plug and charge. And this in this particular case, you're not plugging in, but it's it, it um, the vehicle is automatically authenticated and it, it goes right to your bill. So it, it's being worked on now, and and that's part of Electrion's business model. Because we all know from our own personal experiences, and you could pull any data for consumers do not like friction. They get frustrated. And no friction, friction, no good. No friction, yes, good. So that, that's really good and positive to hear. Do you think, Jim, in your opinion, on the backside of that, will this help get over range anxiety when they're driving on Electrion Road that they know, okay, we don't have to wear if we're going to grandma's house or we're going somewhere. The vehicle's not going to run out of charge because it's charging along its journey? Yes, it'll, that will be one of the, the one of the benefits. It also, I mean, one, if you're driving over an electrified roadway, um, you can actually be... Uh, depending on how you're driving, adding range to the vehicle, uh, which minimizes range anxiety. The other thing it, it allows to have to do is another pathway to offer kind of the lowest cost per mile of driving, right? Because you're not you're not you know jamming a massive amount of energy into the car, which has impacts on the grid and has impacts on the cost of energy. So it's and and but there will be applications where that's necessary. You know, to charge a uh, 
um, a vehicle really, really quickly in a matter of minutes. This offers another option to be able to, you know, charge as you go and give you the lowest cost um, per mile driven. Brian, I'm a parent. And, and, and you get in trouble as a kid. No, oh, go play marbles on the highway. It's that old thing that parents used to say. And we never did it, thank goodness. We're still here. But so I started thinking, about, okay, an electrified roadway. If Do you have to worry if somebody steps on that from a safety perspective? Now, if you're on a farm, there's an electrified fence and it says, nope, do, do not touch fence. You will not like the feeling. Yeah, no, th- these are questions I get. Ages ago, my early part of my career, I worked at Underwriters Laboratories and um, I actually saw some of the first cell phones that we were looking at for emissions requirements. And we didn't know what to do, <laughs> quite honestly. And so, uh, but a lot has, there's been a lot of research uh, done, been done uh, since then. And we know that the EMF that's being uh, transmitted in the Electrion system is, is safe. We've reviewed uh, the testing that's been done to standards in, in uh, the EU. And so we, we know that the, those emissions are, are are not harmful. And then the other question I think about, so you have the pilot with MDOT in, in Detroit. Detroit averages 33 inches of snow per year. Plows come, they tear the road up. One, will the system work in an inclined weather? Because with snow, you have black ice. Um, you can have snow that the plow hasn't gotten to. Will the system still work when there's snow on the ground? Stefan, you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm from Sweden where we have our other installation. And I mean, we've driven a, the system on snow, the testing, and it does not affect. And the reason is because inductive charging is, you know, water doesn't affect that. So as long as you don't have metal in between that, like big metal shield, you don't interfere the, the flux that, you know, is transmitted between the two coils. And I think the only situation where you might have an issue is if you elevate the vehicle, you know, too high from the road, if you have too dense impact eyes. But I think then you have another type of issue and we'll make sure, you know, that the roads we have, since they are charging assets, will be maintained in a, in a good place. So we don't expect those uh, any issues with that based on our previous experience. Too high from the road. I was thinking about this earlier in the conversation from what Jim said about range anxiety and expanding Range Stefan is long haul trucking. There is a global push to go to decarbonize long haul trucking around the globe. 18 wheelers ride higher than your traditional passenger sedan or your passenger SUV. Will your system be able to work on a system such as a long haul truck that's going to go on these fixed, say, thousand mile uh, routes? Absolutely. So one of the interesting things we're doing in these states, except of um, uh, the Detroit project, is also we're doing an installation in Utah together with the SPY Research Institute. So it's an NSF-funded program. And one of the vehicles we'll have there is a Kenworth Class 8 truck. So we will have an installation on that. And in fact, I think like it's going to be like a stepway, stepwise project. So I, if you ask me, is you know a thousand miles reasonable within two years? I would say probably not. We'll probably start with this, you know, lower, shorter distances. But having those vehicles as part of the roadmap, uh, I think that gives tremendous value for scaling the system regionally from these, you know, let's say 30, 40 mile corridors and beyond because. I mean, let's face it, if you're going to have uh, battery electric trucks, fully battery electric trucks, I mean, the batteries becomes, as as Jim and Brian have said, like they become quite tremendous. 
But also like when you, once you stop there, let's say you stop for your four to five minute break. I mean, you need a one mega or more, uh, you know, transfer rate, one and a half maybe, and, and your battery, something like that. And so what happens if you have 40 of those trucks standing at the truck stock, you know, having lunch at a small town like that, you need a major grid connection and, and probably a small power plant to support that. And instead, I think we'll, we will run into that when we have these channels. But if you charge the vehicle while they drive, you can utilize the same charging infrastructure again for all types of vehicles. So I think it will be like a stepwise project. I'm not, we're not naive. We don't, you know, we'll, we'll do it evolutionary by doing these pilots, uh, creating commercial cases with the static and then going out regionally. And I think that's an interest of, of the road owners eventually because they also have the right of way. And if you have the right of way, you can, and this goes back to the discussion on green energy or uh, you know solar. Why not place solar uh, and, and renewable energy at the side of the right of way, right? And then you can charge the vehicle and harness the energy that's actually created during the day and not rely on other you know sources of fossil fuel. So it's it's just add to the piece of a holistic renewable or uh, sustainable uh, system. Brian, are DOTs championing this technology because it meets their goals of, re- of reducing carbon emissions? Yes, absolutely. And it, it the use case makes sense from a fleet perspective. As the new initiatives coming out of the IIGA to electrify the, the United States, uh, everyone's on board. They know that there's money that's coming through the NEVI plan. Uh, that's being pushed out to the states, and then there's discretionary funding as well. So the municipalities that are on board, they're ready to go. They're ready to electrify, and they want to know uh, what we help them with is uh, on those electrification plans. What does it? What what can they do for their fleet conversion? Working with them on a transition plan, and what does that mean from an infrastructure perspective? You know, can can inductive charging help that? Oh yes, because right now if you have a catenary bus system. You need to have a tremendous amount of overhead structure to transmit the conductive energy to the batteries in the vehicles. It's just um, an extensive, very high capital cost that is prohibitive in some for some municipalities. Being able to, to afford that from a budget perspective, we see inductive charging as a as a cost savings opportunity. Anytime a a government agency could save money, they're going to go for it. But this is a this is this is a good one. They potentially don't have to to float a bond, Jim. How do you so the, the technology? We, let's use a baseball analogy. Say we're in sing, single A in the minors. We haven't even been called up to double A, let alone made our way to the majors. How do you see wireless public charging on roads evolving? As let's say we're at our first at bat in the major leagues. All right, we made it to the big leagues. How are we going to go from there to becoming one of the all-time great players? One of the things I'm most excited about this project is 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 we're focusing on the applications and the use cases that are going to that we're going to have the greatest impact the soonest. Right? We talked about you know transit vehicles and, and transit buses that drive fixed routes, where you know we have the potential through wireless charging to decrease the size of the the vehicle battery, which you know saves cost you know money and weight. The weight savings reduces impact on roads, um, and you know extends the the life and, and the operational you know a greater return on investment for the public sector. We're also you know looking at first mile, last mile delivery applications where you know fleets, a large number of fleets are delivering you know packages and goods 
um, to the same businesses every single day. You know, so you have these consistent use cases. We're talking about, you know, what does that look like as we get to um, the passenger vehicles and how are, you know, how would they leverage a roadway like this? And I, you know, I think of um, a lot of the types of projects that we work on at, at Next Energy. They're electrified, they're automated. There's a number of different solutions. To me, wireless charging will be a great accelerator to a world of automated vehicles. You know, as we start to look at these types of use cases, what do you do when when there's no one to plug in the vehicle? You know, the vehicle can find its way to uh, to the infrastructure, charge up, come back and, and pick up the driver. There's a number of different use cases. The other thing that um, Stefan talked about a little bit, and, and which is one of the things we're trying to, to work on and figure out in the city of Detroit is, how does the city monetize the curbside? You know, there's a, you know, can you charge for, um, you know, for charging while you're parking? You know, does it become an actual revenue uh, generator for a community and, and for a city? So when we start thinking about how we can use all these things, it, you know, wireless charging along with other solutions will help us, you know, get from single A baseball and spring training to the World Series, right? And then you become the MVP of the World Series when you hoist the trophy. And then if you could pull a Sandy Koufax and pitch a perfect game in the World Series, then you then you really got it. So, so I, I'm a Detroiter, so I, I kind of think of Kirk Gibson hitting the home run against the Padres, right? So there you go. <laughs> when he had, he had he had the fist pump on that. And St- Stefan, when do you get to the point where you have that fist bump? Where is it going to be in the scaling? You say, aha, we had the Kirk Gibson home run. I think we're in we're in different stages. If you look at Israel, for example, we have our HQ and we already have commercial, two commercial deals and I think three commercial deals and more lining up. So once you prove the technology on the ground, people get their answers, you know, their questions addressed, you tweak some things for the local thing. Then you target really, I mean, you, you hit you hit it on a nail. Like if it saves you money, then you want it, right? And if it in the process of that improves the environment and you can reduce emissions, improve you know health conditions for your workers, less noise, etc., why wouldn't you go for it? So I think that that home run will be in a few years when you have the right strategy, the right partnerships. Like what that's what we're doing here, right? So we have this, you know, Jim and Brian and these amazing partners here to think about things and M dot, I, I wouldn't forget M dot and, and D dot and a lot of, you know, for a lot of great partners to set what is the, the interface is going to be in this system, right? We're building the use cases. And once we've proven those out, then the potential for scale is tremendous because there is a need. Uh, that's the that's the basic thing. There is a need to go to zero emission and to do cost effective without ruining your operations. And and you know I think we're a few years from um, that larger scale operation. So now it's the time to make sure those infrastructure investment that Brian's talking about, the Nevi and other things, that really that they are going in mind that the infrastructure can be future proofed, right? That it is flexible for new innovation, and and I think that's that's a, a thing we need to remind ourselves of, that we are not in a vacuum, and you know let's let's get the best solution out there that can reduce emissions. Well, Stefan, from, from what I got from this conversation, you have the best team to scale. You have Jacobs that can provide world class engineering support, and you have Jim that's an encyclopedia in all things electrification. So you have the right team to scale everything. And gentlemen, as we look to wrap up this insightful conversation, where I learned a lot. What would you like us to take away with them today? And Brian, I'd like to start with you, please. 
This is an exciting project. It's 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 going to be monumental. It is monumental already. And one of the things that that gets me very excited is so we've been talking about mobility as a use case and and electrification. Another goal here and what was mentioned before in the interview was how are we going to pay for roads when we take away gas? Because that's how we pay for it now. So that's that's the fuel tax. So we need to be looking at new ways of doing that. And so one of those ways is mileage-based user fee. It's also called road user charging, which makes it a bit more complicated when we're talking about char- roads that charge. But uh, we, there's opportunities for a, a much more complex system solution for our transportation infrastructure. If we look at the Electrion in, um, inductive charging system, you're right by roadside equipment. Well, why not uh, in, embed another way to communicate that, hey, I'm using the road, here's my mileage reading, sending me an invoice for using the road. And, and wow, that, that, that's actually a fairly simple solution to help address what's going to be a mounting problem here in the US. So from a Jacobs perspective, we're, we're looking at, it, at what's, what are the next challenges that, that, that our government clients are looking at? And that is one of the big ones. So to me, I think that's that's exciting. This is the tip of the iceberg. It's also a potential solution to some other problems that we're going to eventually have. Brian, you bring up the valid point around charging how it has to be figured out because if somebody goes into collections and start adding on all those fees, that issue has to be solved. We see that on toll roads today. So thank you for, for pointing that out. It's a problem that perhaps Jacobs and your team will work with your government clients to figure out. Jim, what would, what are your thoughts? What would you like individuals to take away from this conversation? I would really, you know, I'm put on my Michigan hat here, in in that you know we're a, we're a region where we have you know the kind of the 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 center of innovation for all things mobility. You know, with our automotive industry, with all of the companies that have R and D centers here in Michigan. You know, we're we're figuring this out here in the state, and. We're figuring it out in an area where we're proud to have all four seasons, where you have to understand how these solutions work 365 days a year. So we're doing it here. If you have a a solution, you know, please come to Michigan and we'll figure out how do we help you, um, you know, commercialize and scale your technology. And, you know, we're just, you know, we're just really proud to be associated with you know, Jacobs and Electrion and just a wonderful technology and wonderful solution to figure out what's the best use of it here in the state of Michigan. Michigan's also home to world-class, awesome engineers. Stefan, bring us home, sir. I couldn't be more happier and more proud to have this project with these awesome partners. I think uh, I'm seeing, you know, the sport analogy. I'm really in, in the first phase of the quarter. I think we're just, you know, ramping up what this can mean for the future of transportation. So I'm looking always back to how was transportation before? How has it evolved? And I think we are in a conge- congestion now where uh, a roadblock where, I mean, there will be different options. There will be different technologies, but I truly believe that wireless charging as a charging platform, as a you know cost-effective solution for fleet owners, as a solution for AVs and integration with renewables, reducing battery sizes and emissions associated to that. I think all of those things creates a very dynamic, very, you know, both challenging, but very fun way to work with this and doing it together with with the industry and in ACC, uh, SCE, doing it together with these strong partners with MDOT, this leadership 
I'm, I'm looking very bright on, on the coming years and can't wait to have uh, the electric road in Detroit open and functioning, inviting you to, to take a ride with us. I'm, I'm looking forward to taking that ride. As you elegantly said, transportation is evolving because today is tomorrow, tomorrow is today, and the future is on-road wireless charging. Jim, Brian, Stefan, thank you so much for coming on SAE Tomorrow Today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week as we sit down with Michael Placencia from Rider System Incorporated. He'll discuss the corporate venture capital fund, Rider Ventures, that was created to invest in startup companies that are developing new technologies in the transportation industry and impacting the world of autonomous trucking. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.